3: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem Pittsburgh studios. And now here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Hey, good afternoon,
4: greetings. Thanks for coming along today, the Wednesday edition. I'm sorry, there. I'm getting all excited there. Are you? You know why? I've got, I've got new um, headphones. I've got new equipment.
5: Wow. Mm-hmm. So you can hear me so much better than you could yesterday?
4: I feel like I'm in it's a, um, you know, one of those soundproof rooms. You know how you're in there? You ever be, you ever been in a soundproof
5: room? I mean, this is a soundproof room. It's a radio studio. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure we're in it every day. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. Have you ever been in a soundproof room? <laughs> Hello.
4: Can anybody hear me? Is this soundproof? Oh, my God. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, but you know what I'm saying?
3: <laughs> Yeah, of course,
4: you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, I've got these new headphone covers on, and uh, it's made a marked difference. I'm thrilled to in, hear it. I mean, what a... In the sound, but not necessarily in my brain. Right. Mm-hmm. That's
5: And therein lies the problem.
4: Yeah. Hey, Katha, you as an alumni at the University of Pittsburgh may be interested in this. Okay, so on campus at uh, every college, there are college groups, right? So uh, just let's take Pitt. Okay. Uh, student organizations, Pitt Vets, which is a student veterans group, or... Pitt Panth Ears. It's a group dedicated to spreading information about hearing loss and balance disorder.
5: Oh, okay.
4: Uh, Pitt Law Democrats, a political educational group. At Pitt, the University of Pittsburgh, and other universities, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these Student said groups. organizations, right? right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's been a move across the country for universities, and I'm talking about Pitt specifically, to take control of the name and/or the trademark of the university mm. for its own purposes.
5: Got it. So we're not going to have the pit balance disorder group, or we're not going to have what is it, the pit ears? What was it? The-
4: yeah, I'm um, sorry. It is the um, the pit panth ears. Okay, no capital E A R S. First off,
5: I appreciate the fact that that's clever, mm-hmm. but second of all, if I were a university, I would. De- I think that's the right idea.
4: To control it.
5: Yeah, because every, you know, you, I'm not sure exactly what the what the process is for applying to be a student group, but you as a university, you don't want to get into handing out the yay or the nay or the whatever. I mean, if you want to be a student group, you be a student group, but don't put our name on it because you could have a political organization that you, the the school doesn't agree with, right. or you could have a violent organization or some kind of racist organization Connected or whatever it is, and you uh, that you never even knew, you know, you didn't know what it was.
4: Right. So Pitt is saying, in advance of the fall of 2020, they've sent this out months and months ago. in the In the fall of 2020, all student groups must stop associating themselves with the University of Pittsburgh.
5: Okay, so they're just well, they can't. By not associating, that means they can't use the name?
4: Exactly. Right. You can't put the moniker on. Now, th- some groups can, obviously, like the Pitt Newspaper. Right. The Alumni the, news. the
5: alumni Society. Right. Science Chapel Choir.
4: The student newspaper, like the Pitt News, yes. But um, the satirical comedy publication, the Pitiful News, no. No. So, in some right. ways, there is going to be this little shakeout. Now, it's interesting. Right, so, Ohio State... Now they, they're talking about. I'm reading this article, uh, Bill Schnackner from the uh, PG Today's PG. He mentions uh, Ohio State mm-hmm. because Ohio State recently went to court to trademark the. Oh. Penn Gosh, State
5: I dislike that.
4: Penn State went to court. Yeah. And they are trademarking yeah. Happy Valley.
5: Like any of us want that
4: no 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 that's this is big money involved here good so you know when you look at how about uh, remember the remember so then um, if
5: you're going to slap happy valley on a sweatshirt you're going to have to pay them
4: exactly right yeah so these these have not been decided yet the or happy valley but,
5: how can you trademark the
4: well Ohio that's State not gonna go. Ohio State's going to make a case a, for it no right?
6: you can't trademark the they word they call the.
4: themselves the Ohio State so I
5: well, so is Penn State are they going to trademark we are I don't know
4: is I'd, like Pitt, to, is, I'd
5: like to trade Happy Valley. That, that's more realistic
4: than the. How about Pitt uh, trying to trademark um, Sweet Caroline?
5: That's stupid. Right? I didn't. Is that a thing? No, it's no. not a thing. I'm just saying. How about you know trademark I mean? H2P? H2P. All
4: right, uh-huh. hail to pit. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so this is uh, making the rounds uh, across universities and Pittsburgh. I think that's smart. Involved.
5: Universities need to cut. And any organization, I think, you know, they they need to keep their, you know. Whatever their board of directors is controlling, that's what they have responsibility for. And they can't, you know, right. Pitt has 30,000 students. There's no possible way that they can monitor every student group.
4: You could also make a case and say, well, this is a public university supported by our tax dollars. So how dare you try to sort of put up this fence when I'm paying the way anyway?
5: Yeah, but... That would be the case if Pitt had decided not to let certain student groups be student groups. That's a different argument. So if Pitt comes out and says, you know what, you can't be a student group because you are – I don't young know, Republicans. Club. Yeah, the young yeah, young Republicans can't be here. Right. Then that would be a time when a territorial yeah, thing. for sure and that would be a time for pu- first a group to go in there and say, "Wait, this is a public institution. Get out right. of here."
4: Uh, apparently, you know, it's uh, sort of like business 101. It's really what it is, it's just a, a lesson in brand protection. Right. right. Right.
5: And brand protection wasn't nearly as important until we got to Twitter and Facebook and Instagram when hashtags start trending and people start associating. I mean, H two p was never a thing until Twitter was around.
4: Right. Well, though I think often about the uh, the T shirt vendor on Forbes Avenue, Forbes and Bigelow. You know that guy. Yeah, right? sure. That was a court case that went on for over a decade.
5: Right. He was. And he sell- won. Yeah. Did he win?
4: Oh yeah. I actually don't remember what happened in the Oh yeah. Day. He's still there. And you know, sure makes a very handsome living right. selling discounted University of Pittsburgh T-shirts on that corner where his trucks exist. Now the whole thing was, well, you can't you can't set up shop and stay there permanently in front of a, a University of Pittsburgh property.
5: Right, and he was saying, look, this the, you don't own the city. Right. And so the city,
4: him, the University of Pittsburgh, they went to court and uh, he's still there. And I'm sure makes a very good living selling T-shirts.
5: Doesn't it get depressing sometimes how long it takes to adjudicate matters? And so you kind of forget that the case is even out there. Right. Right. Speaking of, we talked about the 9-11 um, perpetrators who finally, if you can believe it, are going to be tried, not this January but the next January of 2021. January. Now you think no wait wasn't that 18 years ago? Yes, it was. Talk about something that has taken a long time to wind through the courts. That's next week. Anyway, uh Paul McNulty is going to join us. He was um he was part of the Justice Department and his position was to lead that investigation into the 9-11 perpetrators and he's going to join us in our show in just a couple days and talk about that from his perspective that's
4: right hey we got a great show for you ahead if i do say so myself so stick around won't you please it's the ride home with john and kathy here on word fm and wpit radio we're going to talk about 40 days for life and our presence in front of planned parent abortion clinics stick around for that that's next
5: 101.5 WORD.
2: Playing Pittsburgh's favorite Christian music on the weekend. With the best new music. New. new music. new music. from Red Collective. Your name is power.
7: Your name is power over darkness.
2: Believer by Rhett Walker. I am a believer. And Remind Me by Blanca. You remind me, remind me. The best new music and Pittsburgh's favorites. Brought to you by Nello Construction and Trinity Jewelers. 101.5 WORD on the weekend.
4: They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. For a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows Are Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company. For roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue, and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and... One of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at windowsruspittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at
1: windowsruspittsburgh.com. That's windowsruspittsburgh.com. When it comes to higher education, it's worth considering a Christian university or college, one that reaffirms students' faith instead of tearing it down. Research shows that students who attend a Christian college can become significantly more committed to to their faith, and that's an important investment to make. You care about the type of people who are teaching the classes and the content and perspective of the courses just as much as you do about the strength of the academics it matters that Christian faith is supported and shared. Find out about many schools at once by attending the free Christian College Fair with representatives of colleges and universities from across North America. Start planning now. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with representatives from top Christian colleges throughout the country. Learn about financial aid, scholarship opportunities and more. Take your first step to a Christian college education at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford, Saturday, September 14th from 11 to 1. That's the Pittsburgh Christian College Fair, Saturday, September 14th at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m.
3: As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration.
5: Pro-lifers have spent decades now talking about the fact that every child is actually wanted, right? So if we could just convince young unmarried moms to carry their babies to term, that all the babies would be adopted. And that that's really the best thing. That's what God wants. It's the best thing for the woman, you know, on and on. Now, I think it is the best thing for everybody. But it's also so much more complicated emotionally, um, organizationally, than I think we tend to make out right. when we're talking about the issue. Would it
3: be
4: so cut and dried?
5: Right. Now, I remember... Um, you know, I had spent a a good amount of years in Pittsburgh talking about the abortion issue and um from an anti abortion perspective. But when I was in the room with a woman when she gave her child up for adoption, it was different. How so? It's not that I thought that she was doing the wrong thing, because it was the right thing. It was the right thing for her, it was the right thing for the birth parents, it was the right thing for the baby. It was the most heart-wrenching, unnatural thing to watch. I mean, I can't even express the angst that I felt, and it wasn't my baby. You know, I was, w- I was there as a support for someone else. But being there just makes it – it makes you dislike – The way we talk about it publicly, because we make it seem antiseptic. We make it seem, you know, it's the it's the heroic thing. And so good for you. And this is awesome. And blah, blah. And it is heroic. Do you know what I mean? And it is awesome. But it's also so unbelievably agonizing. And I wish that when we talked about it in society, in American culture in particular, because this is my country, I wish that we talked about it with more compassion with more compassion for the birth parents, with more compassion for the adoptive parents. It's just a very hard thing. It requires a lot of support from community. And it's something that instead of being black and white, there's a lot of gray. Hmm.
4: Melissa Coles is with us. She has lived what Kath has just described in town in Pittsburgh for the kickoff of the 40 Days for Life campaign. This year underway September 25th to November 3rd. Information about that online at 40daysforlife.com local campaigns. But Melissa Coles has a story to tell. And there's also a wonderful short documentary called I Lived on Parker Avenue, where she is featured as the birth mother in this documentary. And Melissa's with us now on the air. Melissa, thanks for coming along today. How are you?
8: I'm doing great. How are you? Real
4: good, thanks. Thanks for being with us here. We're excited to talk to you, and especially for your appearance here in the city of Pittsburgh.
8: Thank you. I'm very looking very forward to arriving next week, and I'm getting very excited.
5: Melissa, why don't you start off by telling your story um, as you want to share it. Um, how did it begin? How did this journey for you start?
8: Well, how my journey started, I was 18 years old. And I was just finishing up high school, and I was in my school bathroom as one of my girlfriends held my hair back, and I was vomiting in the toilet, and she jokingly said, oh, my, I hope you're not pregnant. And I just kind of jokingly blew it off, like, no, you know. And um, found out after being sick for a couple of weeks, I took a pregnancy test and realized that I was indeed pregnant. And um, that's kind of where my journey began. Very scared, young, young, young adult.
5: And what did you think at that point? You, you realized that you're pregnant. Do you have a relationship with the dad?
8: Um, yes, I, have a re- I had a relationship with the birth father. We were actually together for um, 14 years. We were married seven of those years. So, um, you know, we stayed together throughout all that, and we tried to make it work after that. And um, we both ended up in, the, in the different lives as, as we grew, grew older and, and grew up. Right.
4: So, Melissa, in the story um, that you're telling and from the film, I Lived on Parker Avenue, there you are as a young girl, and you realize you're pregnant Uh, I mean, really young. And so you decide, like uh, like a lot of kids, the best thing to do is for me to go and and I'm going to rid myself of the baby. I'm going to go and have an abortion. But you walk past a, a group of protesters, you walk into the abortion facility, you lay down on the table, you're about to undergo the abortion. And then for whatever reason, of which I'm sure there were multiple reasons, you had a change of heart. Tell us about that moment
8: did have a big change of heart. I, uh, as I entered the um, abortion clinic, and you got to remember this is 25 years ago when we didn't have Starbucks and mobile hotspots every five blocks away, so we didn't have resources at our fingertips like we, like we do today. Right. So things were very, very different back then. There were three big things that, that helped me get off that table. Two of them I will share with you One of them will not be revealed until I go to Pittsburgh next week, and I'm going to reveal it for the first time. So I'm a little bit nervous about that. But um, as I was walking in, one of the protesters yelled out, your baby's got ten fingers and ten toes, and you're going to kill it. And that that has stuck with me my entire life. Mm -hmm. I will never forget that. I'll never be able to thank her enough for those words.
4: Hmm. Because up to that point, you probably didn't think of your baby as having 10 fingers and 10 toes. Like you know, the narrative is, it's just a blob of tissue.
8: Oh, yeah. And at that time, we thought, well, you either had an abortion before it became a baby or you parented.
0: Mm-hmm.
8: And that's the key before it becomes a baby. It's a baby at the moment of conception.
5: What else did you think of when you were in the uh, exam room?
8: Well, I was in the, I call it the silver room, because everything in there was silver. There was no posters, no pictures, nothing on the walls, very cold, very evil filling. And I'm laying there on this cold table, and I look over to the right, my head falls to the right, and I, I see all these instruments on top of this cart, and I'm thinking, man, that looks like something you see in a dentist's office that definitely not there for for dental work at the time and no one was there to explain what anything was or what they were going to do or what any of the procedures were and as I'm laying there I'm all alone in this room and I hear an audio voice and it says get up I said for first second and I hear it again it says get up it's not too late and I I just sat there frozen. I know I heard this. It was stern, loving, almost pleading with me to get up. So between that and what that protester said, and one other thing that I'm going to reveal in Pittsburgh Tuesday, that gave me the courage to get up off that table. God gave me the courage to get up off that table. That sidewalk counselor gave me the courage to get off that table.
5: And so then what? You walk out the door, and what did you do?
8: So I walk out the door, and I'm actually scared because I'm still pregnant. Right. So I, I, I come out the door, and the protesters that were, some of them yelling some nasty things when I, when I went in, were yelling at me when I left. Calling me murderer, baby killer, and um, some other things. And I so badly wanted to say, I didn't do it. I didn't do it to, to anybody, Just anybody. I wanted to share with anybody. And I was just too scared. So I just, I got into my car and we drove away.
5: Whoa. Melissa, did anyone in the clinic say anything as you were leaving?
8: No, not one person. From the, after I went into that clinic, I filled out a really quick form. I think it was one sheet, maybe you flipped it over. I can't remember 100%. They take your money right away, of course, because that is the the big factor behind the, this organization. So, you know, they get you in quickly to rush 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 you really don't have time to think it gets you back to the room I've taken this pill I still don't know what the pill was to this day they don't explain anything so it it, it's just a cold evil cold evil place
4: so 25 years ago as you said Melissa the world's a different place than it is now and for you to have that that voice in your ear And the courage to get up off the cold table and to walk back out across the gauntlet. What was that like then when you had to come clean and not only tell those people that you loved, but then the community at large, there you were, that girl who was pregnant. You were marked in a way, um, you know, you can talk about it now. And I'm sure it was extremely difficult for you to go through those nine months plus.
8: It it was a it was a challenge. Um, I was probably 120 pounds, soaking wet. So I, I I leave the I leave the abortion clinic, and I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? And um, I, had, I think I, I think it was a UTI because everybody goes, well, why why how did how did you get connected? I think I had a UTI infection, and I had to go to the hospital. It was pretty bad, and that's why I got connected with Rhonda, who's a social worker. And she connected me with Kersh & PC, and that's how everything began with learning about adoption. And and she, Rhonda shared with me all resources that were available. I had no idea that there were pregnancy centers, that there were ma- maternal homes, that there's foster care, that there was adoption. And when she mentioned adoption, I'm thinking, how can I just give my baby to someone? Mm-hmm.
5: Okay, so let's talk about that decision. Um, I mentioned at the beginning of our uh, segment with you, Melissa, that a lot of our public discourse in relation to abortion and adoption just seems very certain that there's a lot of black and white. And but going through it, you realize that there are agonizing decisions that are made um, all along the way. And the the decision to give your baby up for adoption is really fraught with all sorts of different. Um, I don't know different feelings, and you know, from an outside perspective, you say, "Well, of course, the right thing is to give your baby up for adoption." Talk about what it was like for you personally—the things that you that were going around in your mind at the time.
8: Well, I had every emotion possible going in my mind, and I'm not going to lie. Today, I still have some of those emotions. Hmm. I think you know, no matter how many years go by, I, I you wondered. Do they think about me? Do they ever wonder about me? Are they curious what I'm up to? Do they care how I'm doing? Um, keeping that secret for 19 years was huge, and it weighed heavy on my heart. I lied to everyone. So no one and knew, knew that you had. Everyone. No one knew that you had the baby. Nobody, really. Nobody for 19 years knew I was pregnant. So you no were. One knew. You were
5: able to keep that from your parents. You were able to yes. keep that from siblings or friends or whatever.
8: Yes. I kept it from everyone. Wow. The only people, the only people that knew I was pregnant was the birth father, Rhonda in the hospital, of course, and then Kirsch and Kirsch PC when I was looking for families. I had David, I had delivered David on December 22nd and I attended all of my family gatherings as I normally would every year of my life, the 24th and the 25th, and nobody knew a thing
4: Amazing. for
8: 19 years.
4: So Melissa, before we let you go, talk about uh, the film, I lived on Parker Avenue.
8: And um, first off, I want to say something about the title because that's something I get asked about a lot. I get a lot of times whenever I speak, someone goes, "So when did you live there?" And I'm like, no, 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 no. I didn't actually live there. If you really think about that title, I live. That's the day I walked away from that abortion table. That is the day I lived. That is the day David lived. Mm -hmm. It's a very powerful title. Mm
5: -hmm. Melissa, um, we don't want to obviously steal your story. We want people to watch the documentary. We want people to see you on Tuesday. Um, If you could say something to people that are listening right now, maybe people who have looked at this as an easy issue or a black and white issue or something that, you know, just girls need to just Uh make the right choice, what would you say?
8: It is not easy. It is definitely not easy, but it is definitely the better option. There is a lot of emotions and feelings that go in it, but at the end of the day, you have to do what's right for your child, not you, but your child.
5: And what about for those of us who aren't the one who's pregnant? Uh, What do we do? What could we do to make a situation like that easier for someone who's in the same position you were in?
8: We just need to let people know they're not alone. Mm. You're not alone in this. There are so many resources available. And now with all of the ways that we have to communicate, my job now is to go out and explain these resources, share these resources so that everybody can look at me in the eye and say, well, I didn't know. No, you knew. So I want to be able to share these resources so that everyone knows. I target eighth grade on up. And I've had people say, well, isn't eighth grade a little bit young? And I'm like, absolutely not. I know two girls right now, 14 years old, both pregnant. Hmm.
4: Melissa Coles, she is in town as the kickoff for 40 Days for Life in here, the city of Pittsburgh and across western Pennsylvania. The campaign runs September 25th through November 3rd. Information online at 40daysforlife.com forward slash local
7: Pittsburgh.
5: Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your story, and um, I hope so many people are changed by what you have to share on Tuesday, and um, I hope it makes a difference for people, a day-to-day real-life difference. Thanks for being here. Thank
8: you so much, and I will see you Pittsburgh Tuesday.
4: Very nice. Melissa Coles in town, as she says, Tuesday. Check it out online, 40daysforlife.com forward slash local
9: Pittsburgh, 40 Days for Life. This is Chris Abernethy of Abernethy & Hagerman. You don't want the government deciding what happens to your estate or how much they will take. At Abernethy & Hagerman, estate administration is the heart and soul of our practice. We have the experience to help not only plan, but administer your estate properly to protect your assets, minimize taxes, and ensure that your inheritance gets to the ones you love. Decide for yourself. Abernethy and Hagerman, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. They blow into
4: town with the wind, rain, and hail. Out of town storm chasers going door to door, often posing as a local company offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit windowsareuspittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers with over fifty fifty years in home remodeling, Windows Are Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course, windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip down when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention Word FM for an additional 10% off at WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. That's WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com.
6: Hella has done it again. With our brand new lifestyle series, Hella can customize window replacement solutions room by room. Imagine bedroom and bathroom windows with shades between the glass. A room darkening experience for sleep in one room and beautiful privacy in the other, Pella Lifestyle Series is the number one performing wood window and patio door. Right now, get 50% off installation or 18 months, no payments, no interest. Call 888-77-PELLA, Pellapittsburgh.com.
1: They're not in it for the money. They don't do it for the fame. It's certainly not about the fringe benefits. No, for a Christian teacher, the real reward is found in the everyday triumphs of a child. As they learn not only about their world, but discover their unique place in it. This is how love inspires learning. Visit pittsburghchristianschools.net. Education for mind and soul. pittsburghchristianschools.net.
6: You know what today is? It's the day you stop paying full price for gas. Get the Easy Pay card at Circle K and save 30 cents a gallon on your first 100 gallons. Then save 6 cents a gallon on every Philip after that. Sign up in store and visit CircleK.com slash EasyPay for more details. I've been searching for ways to grow deeper in my faith and strengthen my daily walk, and I found it at Crosswalk.com. From Bible study tools to Christian living articles, devotionals, movie reviews, to marriage and finance articles, well, you get the idea. Crosswalk.com also has a great online community of Christians just like me, with everything just Click away. It's like having a trusted friend, teacher, and mentor right here at my desk every day.
3: Crosswalk.com, the intersection of faith and life.
10: It'll be partly cloudy tonight, and it'll turn more comfortable. It'll be 53. Then tomorrow looks to be a pretty day with partly sunny skies and a high of 74. It'll be clear tomorrow night and comfortable with a low 56. It'll stay nice Friday into Saturday. Good deal of sunshine both days. 77 on Friday, then 74 on Saturday. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strite.
4: You might want to think two or three times before you say, "I'll have fries with that." It's a story today um, about a teenage boy who subsisted primarily on junk food. Now, this is true. This sounds crazy, though, but it's true. A boy who existed on junk food, he went blind from his poor diet, according to a new study. A 17-year-old kid who lives in the UK first went to the doctors at the age of 14, complaining of tiredness, says a publication, The Annals of Internal Medicine, wrote in a study abstract. By the time the doctors discovered that nutrition was the probable cause, his vision was irrevocably damaged. Though he was a self-described fussy eater, the teen was healthy in all other respects and he wasn't on any medication. Tests showed he had a form of anemia and low vitamin B12 levels. However, it didn't end there because from the age of 14 to 15, he had hearing loss, vision symptoms, Doctors could not find a cause. Two years after that, he was 17 and legally blind. That's when the doctors discovered a severe vitamin, vitamin B12 deficiency, low copper and selenium levels, high zinc levels, and markedly reduced vitamin D and bone mineral density. He said, uh, he revealed to the doctors, his diet consisted primarily of Pringles, French fries, white bread, and occasionally some processed meat like ham, or salami. Two billion people around the world have uh, deficiencies in micronutrients. This is the first time ever something like this has been seen in the annals of modern medicine in a developed country. Isn't that shocking?
5: So, no indication of what his familial situation was no. or who was helping him make decisions. They don't his talk about choices. parents
4: or anything like that in this article. This is um, from the New York Daily News. Teresa yeah. Brain is the, uh, the reporter.
5: Well, you know, just yesterday in our five o'clock hour, we were talking about uh, discipline and choices. And I, I was uh, saying that I heard a woman speaking about how young people decide what to eat. Yesterday morning, and she was talking about how, in all of our efforts to educate people, even with the food pyramid and all the blah, 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 what we really need to do is to just set children loose and for them to follow their inner voice. And children will find on their own what the best thing is for them to eat. <laughs>
4: That's patently false. So I guess she doesn't know the story. I mean, left to your own devices, as a kid, you're going to eat Ding Dongs and Pringles Ro- and fries. Wouldn't you? Yeah, pretty much. Of course
5: you would. Right? You're not going I to mean, go for the cauliflower, right, the broccoli, exactly. or the kale, or the green exactly. beans. Exactly. I don't think a three-year-old is like, gee, I can't wait to get cauliflower. No. I just don't think it's happening.
4: It's a heartbreaking story, it is a isn't heartbreaking it? It its
5: a heartbreaking story. Yeah. I mean, oh my you want to look at
4: uh, what you're consuming and think it does have long-term repercussions. Right. It really does. Right.
5: Yeah. So lay off, John. Lay off the <laughs> ho-hos. Remember Suzy Q's?
4: Oh, I
7: sure do. I, do you remember Suzy Q's, Mike? I never heard of a Suzy Q. I, I don't
5: think maybe by the time Mike was around, Suzy Q's had, had left the It'd marketplace. Be, really? huh. A Suzy Q, Mike. Mm. Picture this. It was like a brownie top, like a rectangle.
4: But it was two brownies long.
5: and, and Right. And there were two of them. Right. And, and a brownie bottom. And inside was a white cream, but it was a little tangy. Mm-hmm. And that tang was so awesome. Mm-hmm. And you could just bite into that Suzy Q, and you had the perfect ratio mm-hmm. of chocolate to cream.
4: Yeah. And you'd wash it down with a Coke. That's, That's living disgusting.
5: large. What are you kidding you me? You cannot wash <laughs> it down with a Coke. I, That's
4: if what I did milk that, is for. If I did that one time, I did it easily. No exaggeration. 100 times Stop or more. It. I you did. You did
5: not have a Suzy Q and a Coke. Of course
4: I did. Yes. At Butler's Corner Market. Yes, Is that why you're did. going blind?
5: No, no. I'm, Someone. I, I can see you, my friend. I'm going to come in there. Someone at Butler should have stepped in. <laughs>
4: no, no. They probably encouraged it. It's just uh, how it was to grow up did. in the 60s.
5: I really don't.
4: Take a break, come back. Uh, we're going to talk. Oh, here's a pick me up The Suffering of Job. Oh, that's next. <laughs> the Ride Home with
2: John and Kathy. 101.5 WORD.
5: Every marriage has areas that are working and others that could improve. The Focus on Marriage Assessment will help you discover and evaluate 12 essential traits to build a relationship that
6: thrives. It's free. Take the free assessment by logging on to our station website and use the keyword marriage. Also, win an all-inclusive marriage retreat with a cabin, meals, and retreat
5: activities and $1,000 to cover flight and incidental expenses. Plus a free ebook download of
1: date night ideas.
2: Take your marriage from good to great. Register for the Marriage. Getaway at
1: wordfm.com marriage. When it comes to higher education, it's worth considering a Christian university or college, one that reaffirms students' faith instead of tearing it down. Research shows that students who attend a Christian college can become significantly more committed to their faith, and that's an important investment to make. You care about the type of people who are teaching the classes and the content and perspective of the courses just as much as you do about the strength of the academics. It matters that Christian faith is supported and shared. Find out about many schools at once by attending the free Christian College Fair with representatives of colleges and universities from across North America. Start planning now. Take advantage of the opportunity to meet with representatives from top Christian colleges throughout the country. Learn about financial aid, scholarship opportunities, and more. Take your first step to a Christian college education at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford, Saturday, September 14th from 11 to 1. That's the Pittsburgh Christian College Fair. Saturday, September 14th at Orchard Hill Church in Wexford from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m.
4: You've all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only $29.99. Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to mypillow.com. Click on the new radio listener specials and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the Body Pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800 391 0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800 391 0954 or MyPillow.com.
1: Promo code WORD. RPTS, the Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary in Point Breeze, presents the 2019 Westminster Conference. Friday, September 13th through Saturday. Saturday, September 14th. Join President Dr. Barry York and leading RPTS authorities in church history, systematic theology, biblical counseling, and more for this year's focus the Synod of Dort and the Doctrines of Grace. The 2019 Westminster Conference, bringing the Westminster Confession into the 21st century. Register now at rpts.edu.
4: To be alive is to suffer, right? I mean, that's just the nature of what it is. We I all wish it wasn't. No, but we all suffer. And then when you look at Job and his relationship to suffering and how God invites us to trust wisdom and character from that, we take heart in that because there is good news when the suffering is all said and done. Dr. Tremper Longman is with us. Tremper is the Distinguished Scholar Professor Emeritus of Biblical Studies at Westmont College in Santa Barbara, California, here today to talk to us about Job. Tremper, welcome back to the show. How are you?
7: Thanks, John. Thanks, Kathy. Nice to hear your voice. Yeah, always good
5: to hear from you, Trumper. Let's talk about Job. Set the stage for us. Um, what do we know about Job? What do we know about the book? How old is it?
7: Uh, yeah, those are all great questions. And uh, briefly, uh, you know, Job is a book uh, that gives uh, an account of someone who suffers and then struggles in a debate with others about the reason for his suffering. And, uh, and, and the surprising thing is we really don't know when the book was written during the Old Testament time period. It does tell a story that's set in an ancient context, but that doesn't mean the book was written then. But the nice thing is it doesn't really matter that we know exactly when it was written for us to understand the message that it's communicating to us.
5: So it's a story. Um, It's a story of one man and uh, a couple friends who thought they were trying to help, um, and uh, conversations with God, observations of the world. Um, What do you see? What's the best way for a first-timer to look at the book?
7: Sure. That's a great question. I think when you read the book, you should understand that the primary question of the book is, who is wise? Where can I find wisdom? And uh, and the suffering of Job uh, is, of course, a very important element to it, but it's not really a book about suffering. Uh, the suffering of Job is the occasion to talk about the question, who's wise? And then you have these long chapters of debate and discussion, uh, which are trying to—where uh, where Job and the three friends, and then eventually this figure, Elihu, is— uh, they're setting themselves up as wise men who are able to diagnose Job's problem and then to uh, offer a remedy. And, of course, the punchline of the book is that they're all inadequate and that only God is wise. And, and the solution is for Job to trust God wisdom and power even without an answer to the question why he's suffering
5: so from job's perspective it's just one horror after another
7: yeah right right yeah he's first of all uh everything around him is destroyed you know his family is killed his wealth is taken away uh and then in the second round uh he's afflicted with some horrible disease from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And then he has to deal with the three friends. (laughs) And um, so we need to give the three friends some uh, respect that they first came and sat with them for seven days without Mm -hmm. saying anything until Job himself uh, started, um, you know, complaining about the day of his birth and that sort of, motivated them to start trying to correct Job. And they, of course, were coming from a very faulty position, which is the view that all suffering is a result of a person's personal sin. And that's just wrong.
5: So, Tremper, for all of the years that this book has existed in the lexicon of Judaism and Christianity, you'd think that we would have a better concept of suffering, but it doesn't yeah, seem yeah. like we've really learned
7: a lot. No, and and especially in the—one <clears throat> of the lessons about suffering in the book is uh, the fact that uh, not all suffering is a result of our own individual sin, but— you know, I don't know about you, Kathy, but when something horrible happens to me, that's the very first thought that comes into of my course, mind. And I've been yes. two bucks on Job, which is, what did I do to deserve Right, that?
4: right. But it doesn't and,
7: work that and, way, and, does you it? You know, I, I thought about that for a while, and I think the reason why is, actually, that's a comforting thought. It's a comforting thought to think that we control our suffering, mm-hmm. you know, that mm-hmm. is, as long as I'm good, I'm not gonna suffer. And it's very scary to think that even if I am godly right a godly righteous and uh and do the right thing, I still uh, will I, I still might suffer, indeed will suffer oh, right. because we all suffer in our lives.
4: And Trimper, is that the is that the um the reason I guess the book of Job is written to sort of put the exclamation point on the question of suffering
7: I, I think I think it's it's got multiple purposes one is to, like Proverbs and Ecclesiastes uh, to remind us that God is the only truly wise being in this um, in this cosmos in his creation and uh, Secondly, to remind us that not all suffering is a result of our sin or somebody else's suffering is not necessarily a result of their sin. But then thirdly, I think it's also giving us an important lesson in how we should suffer. And what I mean is, um, along with the Lament Psalms and the Book of Lamentations, it tells us that God is with us complaining about our lives and even about him, as long as we're talking to him, you know, as long as Mm -hmm. we're bringing our anger to God, uh, God's fine with that. But that's not, but he wants us to ultimately get to the point of Job at the end of the book, which is one of trust, you know. Um, Okay, I don't know the answer to why I'm suffering, but God, I, I, I do know you. Uh, and, and indeed, at the end in chapter 42, about verse 3 or 4, Job says, I had heard of you, but now I have seen you. Mm-hmm. So in the light of his deeper experience of God, he's able to Uh, trust God in the midst of his suffering. He doesn't have the answer, but he'll
5: trust him. Dr. Tremper Longman is with us, Distinguished Scholar and Professor Emeritus of Biblical Studies at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. Uh, Tremper, I've always found uh, True Confessions, Job, to be a grotesquely uncomfortable book to read (laughs) for two two main reasons. The first one is that every time I read the statements of his friends— it sounds like something I would say. And, oh, yeah, yeah. and that's really that, you know, it's important for me to read that because I recognize that my first inclination is usually wrong. Um, and so yeah. and at the end, you know, God says, your friends spoke of me that which was not true. Um, so, right. so talk about that. Talk about what those what the statements of the friends, which are very long, um, what, they, yeah. what they tell us and teach us
7: uh yeah i um I laugh because i'm like you kathy i uh you always wanna be able to give a reason to somebody who's suffering or have a reason for yourself for why you're suffering um and um and again, I think it's a matter of our own wanting to control it uh, and the three friends you know it's interesting it, it, you you said it's long. Uh, and it's really true. I, I wrote a 350-page commentary on Job wow. just to drop that. well that's, longer,
5: th- that's longer than the book.
7: <laughs> well, if you don't like the long book, I also wrote with John, my friend John Walton. We wrote How to Read Job, which is like 120 pages. Okay, but, <laughs> that hey, makes it. up for it.
4: <laughs> One size
3: does not but, fit uh,
7: all. But the reason why you could summarize it briefly is because the three friends keep saying the same thing oh, over and over God. and over and over again, and they... All say the same thing, which is job you're suffering because you're a sinner, um, therefore, you need to repent, um, but uh but yeah, I mean, sometimes we have to do what the three friends did at first, which is just, just sit, sit there the just people. sit there right.
5: they would have just been fine if people. they would have just stayed sitting, right, but then they started exactly. talking, and they messed it all up,
7: yeah, exactly that's right, that's right, they did. Hmm. Yeah. Um,
5: OK, let me tell you the other thing that I've always found really disturbing about the book is the beginning is how yeah, God, you know, yeah. so so set that up for our listeners.
7: Oh, well, you know, I some of your listeners will disagree with me about this, but that's uh, OK. That's never stopped me before. <laughs> um, and that is that we have to be a little bit careful about. Uh, about how we read the book of Job. In other words, I don't think the book of Job is giving us a account of how God actually does business in heaven. Got it. Um, My friend John Walton coined the term uh, thought experiment, that Job is a thought experiment. That is, that it's setting up a situation in order to deal with these broader questions of so with is it them like is it like and a suffering?
5: So are you saying it's like a parable?
7: Well, it's like a parable. I'm not, I'm not sure. I mean, again, parable is a fine term in right. that it is a uh, it's a uh, a you know it's not a historical book, uh, and that's communicated to us in many ways, including the fact that it's in this high-polluting poetry. You know, right. uh, people didn't people didn't sit around talking and talk that way. poetic yeah and so um, and there are a whole bunch of other signals that that this is not intending to be uh history so so we should be very careful to read the book to say this is how God operates in heaven, and then the other thing, and this is also I found as I lecture on the book of Job, the controversial question, though I will make the claim that. Ninety-five percent of biblical scholars, including uh, including evangelical scholars, agree with me about this: that the Satan is not the devil. Okay, so uh, it's the Satan uh, in the Hebrew, which means the accuser. And uh, you can consult my commentary to get the details, but. Okay, no wait, Tremper. Um, I got. I got.
5: Tremper. I got to cut you off for time reasons, which is which is completely wrong. But I'm very sorry. But this is where we're going to pick up next time, because I have to hear more about that. Okay, it's Dr. Tremper Longman, distinguished scholar, professor emeritus of biblical studies, Westmont College, Santa Barbara, California.
6: Oh my papa, to me you are so wonderful. Oh, my papa, to me you are so good. Does that song bring back memories of days gone by and sage folks in our lives? Hi, this is Marcia from the Spring House, and we love remembering the olden days. We also love honoring these dear folks in our lives at the upcoming Grandparents' Day ham and turkey dinner at the Spring House. It's the second Sunday in September, and we'll be featuring our own hickory-smoked ham, roast turkey, real mashed potatoes, and all the fixings. In our family, my mom mom and dad are so great at making each of their 19 grandchildren feel like the favorite do you know some special folks like that that you'd love to honor bring them to the springhouse country store and dairy farm for good old-fashioned eating check out springhousemarket.com for more details or give us a call at 724-228-3339 looking forward to seeing you at the springhouse at 84 pa
4: at extreme car and truck in bridgeville
3: When wet weather is on the way, keep it dry inside with JD Waterproofing. Water seepage and a sinking foundation can cause major structural damage if left untreated. Joe Belanti and the team at j and Waterproofing have the experience to correct your water problem with over 72 years in the industry. Call the Tri-State's premier waterproofing company now at 1-800-VERY-DRY for a free estimate and big savings on all waterproofing services for a limited time.
1: Or visit HennyJewelers.com. Henny Jewelers, your jewelers for life. Providence Presbyterian Church. Washington Alliance Church. Bethlehem Lutheran Church. St. John the Baptist Church. Impact Christian Church. The Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction. Design and build with one company. Nello Construction. Full service construction from the ground up. Renovation. Expansion. Nello Construction. The choice for churches. See the projects. Begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com.
4: I think all of us are well acquainted with... um Different festivals in and around WPA, right?
5: Well, we just talked about last week the uh, Little Italy days. Oh, right. Little Italy days yeah. in Bloomfield.
4: German festivals, yeah. all that, right? I love the all Greek that stuff. The Greek festivals. The Greek
5: food festival. Are oh, you kidding yeah.
4: me? I missed it again this So year. did
5: I. I can't believe... <laughs> Why didn't you tell me? Mike...
4: I was away and I was like I'm going to miss that the day that that's happening. So I missed that. Oh, anyway. So, uh down in Market Square starting this fri- I'm sorry, the uh, Friday, September 13th and Friday 22nd, uh 27th. Let me say that again. Friday the 13th of September and Friday the 27th of September in Market Square, World Square Night. Hmm. And apparently this is going to feature um a new diversity of um what person who has come to the city of Pittsburgh, um, Uzbekistan, Nepali, um Latino communities.
5: Mm, so it's not going to be your classic Italian, Polish, no, Romanian, Croatian,
4: newer immigrants, and that's going to be showcased with music, of course, food, uh, dancing, poetry, all kind of things. Uh, it starts at uh, five o'clock, runs to eleven o'clock on those Friday nights.
5: That's fun. So that'll be kind of like the Christmas thing they do in Market Square. Exactly. I wonder if there'll be little booths like that. Yeah,
4: World Square Night. It celebrates international community at a party in Market Square.
5: Is anyone going to judge me if I bring my own pierogi?
4: (laughs) Please don't. No, you can't do that.
5: I can. No, no. I'm Polish. I am who I am.
4: Bhutanese food.
5: I bet Bhutanese have something like a pierogi.
6: Sharing the word that changes the world. 101.5 WORDFM, Pittsburgh, a service of Salem Media Group.
2: With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. National Weather Service meteorologist John Qualiaro says Hurricane Dorian is headed north from
7: Florida, parallel to the coast. Dorian remains a Category 2 hurricane with winds of 105 miles per hour as it lifts northward off the east coast of Florida. The center of Dorian will pass very close to the South Carolina coast Thursday into Thursday night and is expected to remain a dangerous hurricane. Charleston Mayor
2: John Tecklenburg says they're expecting even more water in the streets than during the last two major storms. At 1.11 a.m. Thursday early morning, the tide is projected to be at 10.3 feet. Now, in Irma, it was 9.92 feet. And in Matthew, it was 9.29 feet. On Wall Street, they're up by 237 points. This
7: is SRN News. The Ride Home with John and Kathy, driven by Calusi Chevrolet, serving the Pittsburgh area for over 100 years. Are you
1: self employed or own a business and have a debt of more than $10,000 to the IRS or haven't filed taxes in over two years? Pay close attention. With a call to Oxford Tax Partners, you will find the solution to your worries. 888 512 5281. The consultation is free. 888 512 5281. I
7: thought a payment plan was the only option with the IRS until Oxford Tax Partners settled my tax debt completely.
1: Call 888 512 5281. If the federal or state authorities Have taken aggressive action against you or your business, Oxford's team of tax attorneys will help you settle your debt every step of the way. Oxford Tax Partners has helped clients in all 50 states, including many in your area. Call today and in addition to your free consultation, save $600 in services. 888 512 5281. With Oxford Tax Partners, say goodbye to tax worries and hello to greater financial freedom. 888 512 5281. 888 512 5281. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Upon your passing, you wouldn't want a judge to decide who raises your children or how your estate gets divided. It is important to review your estate planning documents to ensure they protect what matters most. At Abernathy and Hagerman, we will work with you to establish an estate plan that nominates a guardian for your minor children and that your assets are used for your family's benefit. Judge for yourself. For legal help that lasts a lifetime, visit a-h.law. How does Eden Christian Academy prepare students for success? Through education that ignites the mind and inspires the spirit from pre-K through 12th grade through 47 state-certified full-time teachers and opportunities in sports, the arts, and service to the community. With results like SAT scores 200 points over the national average, schedule a tour at any of Eden's three North Hills campuses and see what the area's largest non-denominational Christian school has to offer at EdenChristianAcademy.org.
3: A humanitarian crisis is unfolding just off our shores.
7: I don't always
8: eat. Sometimes I'll go the entire day without finding anything. Sometimes sometimes two days.
3: Years of drought have led to starvation and
1: famine.
8: (laughs) I don't have much to give them. Sometimes I don't have anything to give
3: them. 101.5 Word FM and Food for the Poor are teaming up to provide life-saving food and water for starving families in Haiti. And with your help, we can bring answers to prayers.
7: again, I say, God, give me what you can.
8: If I pray to you every day, maybe one day
3: you will deliver us. Your generous gift of just $80 will provide food for a year and water for life for one suffering Haitian child. A gift of just $27 a Month for the next year would we'll provide for a family of four. Just dial pound two fifty on your cell phone and say hope. Dial pound two fifty and say hope, or click the red "Saving Starving Families" banner at wordfm.com.
10: It'll be partly cloudy tonight, and it'll turn more comfortable. It'll be fifty-three. Then tomorrow looks to be a pretty day partly sunny skies and a high of seventy-four. It'll be clear tomorrow night and comfortable with a low 56. It'll stay nice Friday into Saturday. Good deal of sunshine both days. I 77 on Friday, then 74 on Saturday. With your AccuBrother forecast, I'm Meteorologist Frank Strait.
3: Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmett. Hey, good afternoon. Thanks for coming along. The Wednesday edition,
4: it's one of these weird holiday weeks. I love it. I'm not quite sure what day it Four is. Four-day week. Right? What day is this? I
5: advocate it.
3: You do? Uh, yes. Four-day week?
5: I think it's a great idea. Do You know how people who work in the healthcare profession particularly nurses
3: mm-hmm.
5: um, but I'm sure it affects a lot of people in healthcare. can choose to work four long days, like 12 four 12 hour days right and then they have three days off
4: you, you would do that
5: in a hot minute wouldn't you
4: well what are we gonna do well Add we can't two more hear. hours to the show no
5: we can't do that but I'm just saying if if you know if I had my druthers yeah I would that would be a cool thing
4: my brother is uh semi-retired he's working three days a week
5: yeah in his semi-retirement <laughs> That's what you... In our semi-retirements, we're going to be working six days a week. (laughs) Really? It's going to look different.
4: My pleasure. (laughs) Exactly. All right, Uh so let me run something past you. Okay, go ahead.
5: Um, When I was in Houston with Save the Children in uh, January, I had such a wonderful trip. And we've talked about Save the Children on the air before, and I love the organization. But one of the places that they took us to was a uh, school in Houston that was just run so beautifully it was kids who are um who are in a marginal economic situation everybody at the school um qualifies for school lunch so they're under a certain amount of uh of you know yearly family Family and family income Mm -hmm. a lot of them have different challenges related to abuse situations or neglect situations or whatever Anyway, the people running the school from administration to teachers to aides, uniformly outstanding. I absolutely loved my experience there. Completely
4: loved it. I would say the same thing I was with Save the Children in California. Oh, and And you saw a similar thing. The exact same thing.
5: Okay, so let me ask you this. One of the things that it made me think when I was there is um, that the schedule is that the kids get uh, breakfast in the morning when they come in, and then they get lunch at lunchtime, and then when they leave at night, they get food that they put in their backpack for dinner. Right, I've seen that. And the reason that that's happening is because the family has broken down, and so the kids are hungry.
4: Right. Right? I was in the community of migrant farmers. So whenever the kids would leave school, there was no one home because the parents were out in the fields. So they would take home food for themselves for a meal for evening.
5: Just this morning, I saw an article about um, a new program that had been set up in a school. It wasn't in the Pittsburgh area that included having a washer and dryer in the school. Wow. So
4: you could do laundry. So you could
5: do laundry. While
4: school's going on.
5: Now, here's the thing. I love every one of those things because I don't want any kid to be hungry. I don't want any kid to be alone. I certainly don't want any kid walking around feeling dirty, right? But at the same time, don't you ask yourself the hard questions like we're letting
4: kids raise kids.
5: We're letting schools raise kids. Yeah. Right? We're taking all of the fundamental responsibilities that you would have as a mom or a dad and we're just now it's going to be the school's job and now and and so then what what are we doing? Is this going to be a generational thing where these kids are going to grow up and think that they don't, that that's the school's job.
4: So where are the parents? I don't know. Working second jobs? Or whatever, they're they're just out there. I don't
5: know. And of course, so the choice you're going to make is you want to feed the kids. That's not even a question. But I'm just backing up, and it's just one of those things that comes to my head, and I think maybe we as society need to do a better job helping people know how to be parents. Because being a parent is the hardest thing I've ever done. Well, the, it doesn't come naturally to everybody.
4: But you and I, you know, we we were of a generation where at the end of the school day, whenever I went home, my mom was there waiting right. for me. And she had dinner on the stove and she was preparing a meal for us.
5: Right. Now, here's the thing. My mom went back to work when I was in junior high, so I didn't have that.
4: But a lot of your life you did. I
5: did. Up until junior high, I had that.
4: Until eighth grade?
5: Right. Uh-huh. Right. Until eighth grade. So...
4: But a lot of kids, you know, leave in the morning without a parent, come home in the evening without a parent. It's just a it's fact of is. what it is. It's right. the way it is. And I think that's reflected in, look, I, mean, I saw an article the other day about uh, the public school and the the board members of the Pittsburgh public schools who were frustrated over the state test scores. I mean, you read this article. It was uh, Elizabeth Berman in uh, yesterday's PG. The, the public schools uh, na- district-wide, uh, their reading and proficient uh, English scores: forty-six point two percent over last year. Uh, of students who are in, enrolled in public schools, ha- can read proficiently. Just 46%. wait, wait, wait. You're
5: saying only forty-six percent of the, what? What ages are these kids?
4: Uh, third, from third to eighth grade. These were the scores, and less than
5: fifty percent are proficient in reading.
4: Right, and advanced math even more dismal. The numbers for advanced math proficient scores—I'm sorry—for just uh, for math scores, proficiency twenty-eight point seven percent of proficiency of all Pittsburgh public school students. So more than half of the kids can't read at their grade level, and more than three quarters of the kids can't compute at the grade level that's super heartbreaking and you know in the article which is a very i believe honest very even article they quote some school school board members sala udin who's been a board member forever he says it tells quote a sad story that the district continues to fail to educate the children of Pittsburgh.
5: See, I don't think you can put all that on the teachers in the district.
4: Well, of course you're going to take that because that's their primary right. job. Right, and I
5: appreciate that that's their job and they want to take it seriously. Right. But, but if we're talking about it, you know that there are...
4: When we were growing up, and look, this is a different age, and but we always had books in front of us. We were readers, and you, yeah. you know a lot of people grow up... Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In reading families now, because as you're saying, no parent, single parent, no time or little time. And you add on the computer, right? Always the boogeyman of what cyber world we're living in and video games and all that. What suffers most, I think, is your reading comprehension and your math skills. That's, I mean, How can we be a great country if this is what we're we producing here we in can't. the city of Pittsburgh?
5: No, you're absolutely right. We can't. But our job has to be to empower teachers to do everything they can during the day. But don't you think we have to think about programs that are going to help people know how to be parents? Listen, yes. I was yeah, from – I had two excellent parents – I had a loving sibling. I lived in a house that was stable. I was educated. I had multiple degrees. And when I had a baby, I thought I was going to lose my mind. I did not know what to do. So... Imagine if you don't have any of those things and you're having a baby, perhaps you're even on your own. Perhaps you don't have a spouse or a partner or whatever. I mean, that is a lot to ask of somebody. And so if we're looking over generations and we're looking at scores that are either staying the same as these were or going down, depending on the area, then I think we got a bigger problem than just what's going on in school.
4: I agree. So as believers, of course, you're pro-family. But how do you talk about, how do you help families, equip and engage families? That's the lifeblood. And look, you know, what was it? Uh, We were reading uh, an article, Ross, do that in uh, the New York Times. Times. And uh, remember J.D. Vance, who last week was excoriated on social media for dare saying that he believes that people should have more kids because we're obviously in a decline.
5: He was excoriated on social media only after he was excoriated in the Washington Post. Right, right. In an actual story which said that he was some kind of white nationalist... Only because he was saying, look, look at us and Americans in the country. We're not re- replacing ourselves. I mean, this is what we've said about Europeans for, what, the last 15 years. Right. Is if you're looking at Germany or you're looking at Sweden or Italy or whatever. Nobody's having kids. Nobody's having kids. And so it's here every as well. single country is thinking that. Well, right?
4: you and I, you know, I was reading that article and, you know, you and I are the same way. We both had two children and we both have said, wish I'd have had more. Wish I would have had more that kids. Was, why, why did I not have more kids? Right. Wish I'd have had five. Mm-hmm. Had I known. Right, But, you know, there it is. So most people are having one kid or two kids, and then they're Or done. no kids. Or no kids. Anyway, God bless the Pittsburgh public schools yes. and, empower the board your, and the and teachers. Empower your
5: teachers. Encourage your teachers. And at the same time, if you know people who are new parents, help them out. Yeah. It doesn't come easily. It did not come naturally to me. So reach out.
4: Dean Weaver's with us from Memorial Park Church we got a lot of things to
2: talk about. Stay tuned for that conversation next year.
6: 101.5 WORD.
2: If you're a believer, you have a dangerous enemy. His name is Satan. And Scripture says he prowls around like a lion looking for someone to devour. How do you resist him? Well, you have to use the spiritual armor God has given you. Learn to use it this week in John MacArthur's popular series, The Believer's Armor, here on Grace to You. Tomorrow morning at 7 on 101.5 WORD. We have reached the age where things just cost more. Cars, mm-hmm, phones, mm-hmm. life insurance. Your
1: blood pressure is up. <laughs> Your weight is up. You're one to talk. I have typed to diabetes, so I'm getting dean just like you. Thank goodness for Big Lou. Big
2: Lou. That's 800-555-2085. Don't put it off. If you're overweight, diabetic, have high blood pressure, you gotta call Big Lou. Gotta.
1: 800-555-2085. Write it down. 800-555-2085. The Pittsburgh North Regional Chamber invites you to their 2019 Taste of Cranberry, Monday, September 23rd. Over 20 of your favorite local eateries and chains converge at the Pittsburgh North Marriott & Cranberry, offering unlimited sales... From 5 to 8 p.m. Enjoy an evening of great food entertainment. The Kids Zone by Home Depot and prizes. Tickets are available now at pghnorthchamber.com. Don't miss A Taste of Cranberry, Monday, September 23rd at the Pittsburgh North Marriott and Cranberry. Visit pghnorthchamber.com.
6: I find that patients just want to be heard. Stock
1: Family Dentistry, where exceptional dentistry meets compassionate care. That
6: takes time to sit down and listen to what the patient has to say. Listen to their past experiences, because that's all important in how I then present treatment to them, formulate a treatment plan for them, and how we move forward with their treatment at our office. My mommy is a really good dentist, and she'll take good care of you.
1: Harry Highway in Wexford at StockFamilyDentistry.com. What you want is awesome new flooring at a great price. What you don't want is to spend hours at a showroom looking for it. With at-home flooring, you won't have to. At-home flooring is where awesome happens. And their family's been bringing awesome straight into Pittsburgh homes with top quality hardwood, tile, carpet, and vinyl for over 50 years with their free shop at home experience along with great selection and professional installation. So forget the showroom and schedule a little bit of awesome instead. Visit athomeflooringpgh.com.
4: Memorial Park Church, Dean Weaver is with us. He's a regular guest on our show. Always stops by in the studio and sits down, and we ruminate over several things. <laughs> Dean, welcome. Good to see you.
9: Thank you. I'm I'm grateful to be here ruminating. Yes. Thank
5: you. Great. Now you told us before you came in that you had a mission story that involved God's sovereignty. I mean, hopefully every mission story involves God's sovereignty, right? Or we're doing it wrong.
9: I think every mission story involves God's sovereignty, and sometimes we're more aware of it than others. Okay. And this is one of those stories where God took a, like a, not a two by four, that would be too subtle. It was more like a four by four. Really? Uh, with the concrete end on it, and just hit me with it and went, now do you see. Whoa. Um, wow. And it, it, it's it's a story that is over 113 years in the making.
7: Wow. Okay. All right, tell us. Sister.
1: Start at
9: the beginning. Okay. Um, you guys know from conversations we've had before and, and those who are uh, have heard me speak, you know I'm heavily involved in Sierra Leone and travel there every year. Uh, first traveled to Sierra Leone in 2002 when the war was just ending, the Blood Diamond War was just ending. Couldn't get out of Freetown during that time because of where the RUF, the rebels were. Uh, but my second visit, 2004, I was able to push up country into the provinces, into the jungle, into the small villages. And my host was a guy named Saidu Kanu. He's the uh, World Hope uh, Director for Sierra Leone, a Wesleyan Methodist Outreach. And he took me up into the into the provinces where most people were not going at that time. And as we were going up to the provinces, he said, would you like to stop and visit the graveyard of some of the early missionaries to Sierra Leone after the abolition of slavery and so forth? I said, oh, my gosh, yes, I would. that would be uh, – yes, I'd like to see that. It was in a small village, off the road, in the jungle. It was overgrown. I mean, if you knew where to find this graveyard, yeah. in this village, you, you probably couldn't find it. Saidu alone probably had the knowledge of where this thing was and took me to it. The graves were how old? Oh, uh, back in the 1800s yeah. to the early 1900s. Um, so, at um, any rate, since that time, they have... They have cleaned out the graveyard and kind of reclaimed it. And and actually they're using it again as a graveyard uh, for Christians uh, in this Muslim, 100% Muslim community. It's a Christian graveyard. And um, every year when I would go and take teams there, I would take them. Um, to this graveyard because it's immediately adjoining to a village called Mapinda and we have built a um, nursery school, primary school, junior secondary school and planted a church in Mapinda. Nations. has. Nations has. So it's, it's, it's just uh, down the road a little piece from this village where we're now heavily invested. So typically on our way to this village, I say, well, I'm going to stop and show you this graveyard and tell you the history of cool. of missions in Sierra Leone. And one of the things I delight in doing during that time is there's a, a gravestone in the graveyard from a guy who died in the early 1900s who was from Homer City, Pennsylvania. What? Wow. Homer City, Pennsylvania. Oh, what, my gosh. A, a crazy, right? That and, is so crazy. And the way I would tell the story to the people who would be traveling with me is this guy was a Wesleyan Methodist missionary from Homer City, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And my mother's family was from Penn Run, Pennsylvania, which as the crow flies is about, you know, four miles Hmm. Uh, and they were also Wesleyan Methodists. So there's a good chance this guy would have known my relatives, you know, and I would leave the story at that. Right. And for 15 years, I've been traveling to this cemetery, and I've been bringing mission teams there, and I've been giving them this story as a part of the history of Sierra Leone. Well, this trip, uh, you guys may remember, I actually took not only my wife, but my son and my daughter, who are from Sierra Leone, mm-hmm. back to Sierra Leone, my daughter's very first time back since she was adopted, mm-hmm. to meet all of her biological family, reconnect them with their home village, and all of that kind of homecoming reunion adoption stuff that's just that's another story for another day that's just overwhelming and amazing but we're in this graveyard and i'm giving them the the story the I homer tip, city Talk. the homer city talk and i'm telling them all of this right and then i notice it two graves over to the left from the homer city guy is a grave that says a marie stevens died in 1906 and it hits me oh my goodness My mother's grandmother was a Stevens. And I come home from the trip and I spend 72 hours of feverish genealogical online research only to find out that Anna Marie Stevens, Wesleyan Methodist missionary who is buried in the Mapinda graveyard where I have helped to build a school and plant a church is my great grandmother's first cousin? Wow,
5: is that right?
9: I had to go to Buffalo, New York, twenty. Let's see, 20, seventeen years ago, to meet people who would take me to Sierra Leone to adopt two children that would start uh, ministry, building schools in villages. And we built a school in an obscure little village in the middle of no place. podunky no place. In the middle of Africa. Off a beaten path for an overgrown cemetery to find that I literally... Have been going there not only for 15 years and have built 15 schools with 3,000 students, Christian schools and Muslim villages, planted in six churches. Just earlier that week, I had preached in a village and 30 Muslims had come to Christ and the next morning took them down to the river and baptized them. In that place, I actually have my own blood and DNA in the soil of Sierra Leone. And it what happened. What are
5: the odds of that? crazy
9: crazy odds. crazy odds 113 years earlier okay now it gets a little bit even crazier okay ready for this i realize in in as i'm discovering all of this that um we have a teacher a wonderful lovely teacher in our mapinda school whose name is anna marie conte <laughs> so i facebook message her I said, Anna Marie, how did you get your name? And she said, well, my aunt named me, and I'm named after a Reverend Miss. And I said, what's a Reverend Miss? It's a missionary. It's a Christian woman who devotes herself to full-time Christian service who never has a family or children. So you're
5: telling me that this teacher in that school is named after your cousin? Stop it.
9: 106 years apart. Okay. So, and I discovered this, and this is going to sound like I'm going over the top here. I discovered this because as soon as I discovered this, my first instinct was I didn't want to call my mom and tell her this. And then of course I realized, no, my mom passed away. And then I go, no, no, my mom passed away five years ago to the day that I discovered this. And then I had this picture. I literally had this picture of my mom in heaven. She's a believer with her arms around Anna Marie. Anna Marie and they were both laughing at me, going, It took him this long to figure it out.
3: <laughs>
9: <laughs> and now here's the precious irony, okay? And you guys are somewhat, you're a theological nerds, so you'll appreciate this. Most of the information I got about the whole Stephen side of the family. Comes from a little book that my mother gave me before she died, written by my great grandmother's uncle, uh, the Reverend Thomas Stevens, who was a Wesleyan Methodist preacher. Where? Penrun, PA. Mm, And Anna Marie Stevens is his daughter. Okay, so this book that I have that gives me all the history of this is written by her dad, but he was married twice. His first wife died. And so the book doesn't tell anything about the children from the second marriage. So I have read this book before and I never came across a daughter who was a missionary that went to West Africa. That part's left out of the book. But I have this entire history of his life apart from that, which is fascinating in and of itself. But once I did the research online, researching the Wesleyan Methodist Missionary Society and the history of Indiana County and the planning of churches and all these kind of things, and finally put the pieces together that she was from his second marriage and is a daughter, of which they have the detailed birth, death, and life of all of his children minus one. There's one with a blank, and it's A. Marie Stevens. I now have found her grave, can fill in the blank— and actually know exactly where she died and how she died. And I have actually planted a church and a school in the community where she's from. I'm telling this story to Pastor Kevin from our congregation. Kevin and he looks at me and he goes, oh, my gosh, John 12:24." I went, what? What? I was preaching that weekend on the parable of the wheat and the tares. And he goes, John 12:24," which is not the parable of the wheat and the tares, by the way. But what it does say is unless a head mm-hmm. of wheat fall to the ground and die dies. it remains but a single uh head if on the other hand it goes into the ground and dies it becomes many seed and kevin looks at me and goes anna Marie's the, the head that fell into the ground and died and you're the many seeds
7: <laughs>
9: and i went oh my gosh wow. but here's the great precious theological nerdy irony of the whole thing her father, the Reverend Tommy Stevens, Wesley Methodist pastor, in his book, The Recollection of the Last 80 Years, the first half of the book is <laughs> our family history, which is hysterical just reading it. I mean, it's Filled amazing. with criminals and vagrants. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Just crazy. Mm-hmm. The second half of the book, this is where the theological nerdy part comes in, is a treatise against Calvinism.
5: <laughs> right, right. It's all man's free will, right? <laughs> and it
9: is it is all against like that's election so awesome. and predestination. Knew, and I'm thinking awesome. to myself- This is the greatest example of God's providence (laughs) I've ever experienced, and I found out about it from a man who wrote a book against predestination. Who could ever come up with an irony that that great? That is terrific.
5: (laughs) The Reverend Dr. Dean Weaver, Memorial Park Presbyterian Church. Oh, that is good. Much more to come on today's Ride Home.
1: Providence Presbyterian Church, Washington Alliance Church, Bethlehem Lutheran Church, St. John the Baptist Church, Impact Christian Church, the Bible Chapel. What do all these churches from various denominations have in common? Nello Construction, design and build with one company. Nello Construction, full service construction from the ground up. Renovation, expansion. Nello Construction, the choice for churches. See the projects,
2: begin the journey at NelloConstruction.com. This is the time of year where you're seeing all these images
4: on social media of kids standing and posing in their best first day of school. And those kids all have this mix of... um, uh, dread and excitement across their faces. And of mm-hmm. course, you know, everybody remembers that, right? We were there as well, first day of school.
5: Mm-hmm. And you don't know what to expect. And it's even more so when you're going from high school to college. I had a whole group of kids on my porch a couple nights ago who are all going to different colleges, and they were uniformly excited and terrified. <laughs> because that's what it is to start college.
2: Oh, sure, yeah, right? without a doubt.
5: I remember when my daughter started at Grove City College, and I was an emotional wreck. She was terrified, but there was some sort of calm and confidence in taking her to Grove City and in moving her in.
4: Right. Not to say that you're moving your child into a monastery, but there is something about Knowing Grove City is Christ-centered. Right. How that works in your child's life, in your life, that you have confidence your child's going to go there and not only grow academically, but spiritually. And there's a great power in that.
5: Right. So it's spiritual formation without the school hitting you over the head with it. You know, without being a legalistic environment, it's a way to encourage people in their relationship with Christ and whatever it is they're pursuing academically.
4: Right. So school's underway. and. Kids are going to have a great year. Lots of fun. Lots of excitement. You want to send your kid to a great school? Look online. gcc.edu. That's Grove City You've College. all helped build MyPillow and the amazing company that it is today. Now, Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to Word listeners everywhere. You can get deep discounts on all MyPillow products if you go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the new radio listener specials. Now you can get deep discounts on MyPillows, mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. There's even a great body pillow, perfect if you happen to be a side sleeper. Regularly eighty nine ninety nine, but with the promo code WORD, you can get one today for only 29 Remember, all MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and 10-year warranty. It's MyPillow's way of saying thank you for all your support. Just go to MyPillow.com, click on the new radio listener specials, and get deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the body pillow for only $29.99. Enter promo code WORD or call 800-391-0954 for these great radio specials. That's 800-391-0954 or MyPillow.com. Promo code WORD.
10: It'll be partly cloudy tonight, and it'll turn more comfortable. It will be 53. Then tomorrow looks to be a pretty day partly sunny skies and a high of 74. It'll be clear tomorrow night and comfortable with a low 56. It'll stay nice Friday into Saturday, a good deal of sunshine both days. High 77 on Friday, then 74 on Saturday. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm meteorologist Frank Strait. <music>
4: Dr. Dean Weaver is with us. He's a regular guest on our show from Memorial Park Presbyterian Church. Also, Dean is part of an organization called EduNations, which does wonderful work in Sierra Leone. And uh, from those trips, Dean, you've been to Sierra Leone many times. You and your wife, your your hearts were touched greatly when you first arrived. And you you thought, well, I I see all the poverty around me. I see a great need. And I I can do something for a couple of kids and make them family.
9: Yeah. So we have... uh you guys probably know we have seven kids: three biological, four adopted. Three of those are international; one is domestic, um, and two of our kids are adopted internationally. Our brother and sister from Sierra Leone. And uh, you know, when the war came in, and and uh, it was a twelve-year blood diamond war. If you've ever seen the movie Blood Diamonds, mm-hmm. um, our daughter and son they were separated from. Their father, who had five wives and was in one village, and when the RUF came in, he ran into the bush with a couple of his wives and their children, and and their mother, who was in a neighboring village, ran into the bush uh, with her children and uh, ultimately ended up in a refugee camp outside of um, Freetown. Ultimately, she was convinced to place um, uh, her daughter in an orphanage by the orphanage director um, and to claim that she was dead. And that she was the auntie, and so we have actually uh, birth we have death certificates, we have social history showing how they died, the whole nine yards went through the adoption, brought the kids home, and then when international adoptions uh, shut down because they were starting to find out that a lot of uh, inscrupulous things were happening during the, it, it was chaos it granted it was exactly. sort of chaos. I mean, my son tells the story they were they were eating rats in the in the refugee camp it was it was a horrific situation, so um, once we start finding out about some of that kind of stuff and international adoptions closed down, uh, four of us who had adopted children, four dads who had adopted children from Sierra Leone started edunations. We've been doing it for 15 years and I've been traveling back you know, on and ever since. Probably seven or eight years ago, um, every year I would go back, I would try to find my children's village and it was a really obscure village out in the middle of nowhere and I, I had scant information to go on and actually it was, I was home. And I had an epiphany after one of my trips because I hadn't found it again um, that I was looking for the mother's village and I should probably look for the father's village. So I actually put the father's village in Google Earth. Hmm. And we're talking a village with like, you know, 10 houses and a couple huts uh, at an intersection. I put it into Google Earth and up it popped. Wow. And I called my son to the room and he goes, that's my father's village. And here's the road that goes down to my mother's village. That was her house. This is the mango tree I used to hang. I mean, all of his memories started kind of coming back. And, um, so the next time I went, I, I went to that village. You have to, of course, get an invitation. So I had someone go ahead of time and ask that I might come and they extended me the invitation. So I met with the chief and the elders. And part of that was them introducing me to the auntie, um, uh, who was actually not the auntie, but I didn't know that at the time, uh, cause we have death certificates. And now my son had been saying all along, my mother's alive, my father's alive, my mother's alive, my father's alive. And we said, no, 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 no we have death certificates we have social history we can prove that they died you were probably after they were killed taken to live with one of your father's other wives and you would have called her mother and those siblings you would have called brothers and sisters that's you know uh, but he was right he was absolutely right so we're we're in the chief's house the auntie comes in and they introduce her to me and we exchange gifts and greetings and so forth and so on and about 10 or 15 minutes into the meeting in comes a 9-year-old little boy who sits on of the auntie's lap, who is a 95, 98% splitting image of my son. No kidding. Hmm. Looks like mini Isaac. Looks just like him. And all of a sudden it occurs to me, Isaac used to tell me that she was pregnant when he was dropped off at the orphanage. That was nine years ago. This is not the auntie. This is the mother. So... It's a it's an honor shame based culture. Right. So I couldn't confront her with that right there. And then it would have put her in a position of shame in the community. So I had to take that out with me, I'd go out of the village and I pull aside what was then our country director. And I said, Samuel, I said, you've got to go back and tell Fatmada that I, I know she's the mother and and we're Christians. So we believe in the, in reconciliation. And I trust that she did what she did for good reasons. And that she had the best and well-being of her children in mind. And she made the ultimate sacrifice. And I want her to know her children. And I want her children to know her. And I want to reconnect and reconcile and find a way to make us family. And so would you please go? And so he did that. Um, She came forward with the whole story. Mother and father were both, in fact, alive. Uh, the The whole saga unfolded. And then a few years later, I was able to bring my son back. Uh, to visit uh, the village and have a homecoming of sorts, which oh was gosh. incredibly overwhelming um, and then this this year, when we went back, we took our daughter back uh, for this first time and just phenomenal to see uh, from the time that I first hit the village, when Isaac first uh, visited the village and when Ioto now came to the village, how much has changed and and how my children and how the village have really kind of adapted to one another. Mm. And the way I describe it is we adopted two of their children and then they adopted our whole family. I see. And Mm. so we're really, we have, we have land. I have a, they took me into the bush and made me a ceremonial chief and gave me a tribal name. And my, you know, uh, we built a house um, on my children's land and in fact, we're on this trip, we're sitting on the porch and their uncle is standing there and I'm saying to him, So where's you know, their family land? And he stops me, he says, No, no, you need to understand your son is the oldest son of Fatmata, which means this land is his. I said, My twenty four year old son has land? land how much? And he goes he goes, Well, we're on it. Um and everything you see that way and that way and that way is all his, as far as you can go. It, it's like thousands of acres. What? That's actually his land. Our schools are built on the land. The church is built on the land. The clinic is built on the land. The, the water wells are on the land. The house we built is on the land. The pastor's house we built is on the land. The house for the doctor at the clinic is on the land. That's all his land. <laughs> and the reality was, had not mm-hmm. their biological mother given him up and her up for adoption, And they came home to us. We would have never gone back to that village, and we would have never done what we've been able to do in that community, which is holistic development. We have an agricultural uh, farm for sustainable development. We have a clinic. We have a church. We have schools. We have, I mean, solar. We have water. We have, um, we've actually, when we first arrived, their biological mother was living in a literally, like you would have imagined when you were a kid, in National Geographic, a little hut. hut on the edge of the village, which um, kind of in terms of the culture of a village like that means that she was at the lowest end of the socioeconomic totem pole, furthest away from the chief, smallest house, grass hut. She was in a place of ridicule, scorn, and shame. And the women in the village actually used to taunt her and ridicule her. You gave up your children for what? Where are your children? Why is your son not here to care for you? And they used to taunt her and tease her. She was the object of scorn in the village. And now reconciliation has taken place. So not only has reconciliation taken place, but because of her sacrifice and the reconciliation, we now have that village is now the center of the entire chiefdom for economic and, and social and spiritual development. Wow. What is the relationship like between son and and mother? Oh, it's great. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. What was hysterical on this trip is that my son Isaac is a really good chef. I mean, he's exceedingly good. And men don't cook in the villages of Sierra Leone. Mm -hmm. And the women were out on the fire. I mean, the kitchen is a fire outside. And they're out there on the fire. And he goes out there and jumps in with them and starts cooking. And they start looking at him like, what are you doing? You're a guy. He's like, I know how to cook. I'm going to cook. And he showed them some things that they didn't know. They showed him things that he didn't know. And he just jumped right into it and started cooking. It's my land. I'm going to cook. Wow. That is so
4: cool. Wow. Okay, that's the story of the son. Dean's going to stay with us for another segment. We'd like to hear the story of the daughter going back to Sierra Leone and meeting her birth mother. Dean Weaver from Memorial Park Church stays with us. We hope that you do as well.
6: 101.5 WORD
2: Coming up on Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll appeals to an audience of aspiring pastors to love their congregation. Love is the ticket. It's loving one another. It's loving your brothers and your sisters. It's loving your congregation. Here, Chuck Swindoll present a message called Ministry is a Four-Letter Word on Insight for Living. Tomorrow morning at 8 on 101.5 WORD. Bart,
1: it's an amazing song. Maybe you've seen the movie. It's kind of happening. Now see them live in concert. the Imagination Tour. Featuring Mercy Me, with special guest Crowder.
0: Thank you,
1: Word FM welcomes Mercy Me, coming to PPG Paints Arena, October fourth. Tickets on sale now at Ticketmaster.com.
6: Homeowners love their Pella windows and doors, and we love how happy we made Susan from Sewickley.
7: I just have to tell you, this bay window is absolutely beautiful. I mean,
6: it's fantastic. <laughs> it really is. Beautiful. I mean, beautiful. Can we install some happiness for you? Right now, get 50% off installation or 18 months, no payments, no interest. Call for your free consultation. We'll come to you. 888-78-PELLA. Pittsburgh.com.
2: In a recent episode of the hit web series, Adam Ruins Everything, the show shared some of the scams that are common in the mattress industry. The big markups, the inability to comparison shop, and the conflicts of interest with mattress review sites. At The Original Mattress Factory, we agree with many of the problems the episode highlighted. In fact, these problems are the reason we started our company, to offer a better mattress and a better mattress buying experience. Visit originalmattress.com or our social media pages to hear our employees' reactions to the Adam Ruins Everything mattress episode.
3: A humanitarian crisis is unfolding just off our shores.
7: I don't always eat. Sometimes I'll
8: go the entire day without finding anything, sometimes two days.
3: Years of drought have led to starvation and
7: famine. I don't
8: have much to give them. Sometimes I don't have anything to give them.
3: 101.5 Word FM and Food for the Poor are teaming up to provide life-saving food and water for starving families in Haiti. And with your help, we can bring answers to prayers.
8: I say, God, give me what you can. If I pray to you every day, maybe one day you
3: will deliver us. Your generous gift of just $80 will provide food for a year and water for life for one suffering Haitian child. A gift of just $27 a month for the next year would provide for a family of four just dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say hope dial pound 250 and say hope or click the red saving starving families banner at wordfm.com Dean
4: Weaver's with us he is sharing stories of the sovereignty of God and uh Kath you know you were talking during all the era. You can't make this stuff up. You can't. Right?
5: There's just, I mean, I recognize that different people subscribe to different theological traditions. All I can tell you is from what I read in Scripture, but what I have seen in my life, God orders our steps. Yeah. God orders our steps.
4: And so, Dean, you're saying, you know, telling us these stories, they're just too incredible to believe in many ways. But you talked about a friend of yours uh, at your old church who says God takes care of his dummies.
9: I mean, things are crystal clear here. Yeah, I mean, if I tried to make up these stories, they wouldn't be that good, right? right. right? Um, they're so ridiculously obvious that someone who apparently is as thick-skulled as I am must see it for what it actually is, yeah. because I must be so dumb that God has to make it so obvious that I can't possibly come up with another explanation. John and I have prayed to that end multiple times. I appreciate <laughs> <Yeah>. your <laughs> yeah. prayers. So you can continue to do that, because yeah. apparently my work in progress is still a work right, in progress. All right, so tell us about your daughter. So this was Isatou's first time back. And And, she's um, 23? She's just about to turn 21. Wow. And she's been your daughter for how long? Uh, She came home when she was four. Whoa. Yeah. So I met her when she was two. Um, Took us a little while to get her uh, out of the orphanage and get her home. Uh, But she came home when she was four. Um, and, uh, so she's, she's been with us for what, 17, 17 mm-hmm. years. I she guess. is your daughter. She is completely my daughter. Unlike my son who had a, a lot of memories of Sierra Leone. In fact, once we got there, it triggered all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Like when we pulled up to the, his father's village, um, we saw a house and he goes that's my father's second wife's house she used to take care of me when my mother was in the fields and he jumped out of the car and she came running out of the house and they ran into each other's Shh. arms and embraced and cried so mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. deeply emotional he came home when he was eight so his memories of when he was six and five a little bit better if you think about it what right, you right. remember from five and six is way better than what you remember from two or mm-hmm. three sure, sure. so she didn't have anywhere near the memories that that he had um, but she was on a different learning curve than him too um uh, Isaac had already gone there, so he kind of broken the ice, if you will, and kind of inaugurated the village to a reunion, and he came home with all kind of experiences and information that he f- shared with her. And as she has grown up, She has kind of been on her own exploration of her African heritage. She's part of the Pan-African Council at IUP where she is a senior and goes to school. She has been exploring her African heritage, studying her African heritage, really interested in that heritage. And then, um, you know, she the miracle of uh, the good part of social media, there's a lot of bad parts, but the good part is she's connected with her biological sister and Mm. her biological mother on Facebook. Mm. (laughs) Wow. And so when her sister is not in the village but is in Freetown and can get a signal, they have communicated uh, and have gotten to sort of know each other. So when we got there, it wasn't the unknown. Right? Mm-hmm. She walked into something that was fairly well-known, uh, still overwhelming but in a good way, and the great thing about Isatu, which I love so much, is she's just the same person regardless of whatever circumstances sure. she's in. She is the same person in the village of Orcasa in Sierra Leone as she is on the campus at IUP or in my house. I see. And so she walked in, and she was like, yeah, this is my village. This, this is, is great. This I, happened I, recently. This was this summer. Yeah. And and what was fascinating is because it's been seven years of development in the village because of her having come to the States and her brother then coming with her because she was the one that really started it all. The people in the village, in part because Isaac is kind of a high-ranking guy in the village, he'd be like the third or fourth highest-ranking guy in the village. Um, and, and because of the development this occurred, the the folks in the village sort of view them in a way of – you're this kind of almost like i hate to say it like this but almost like royalty like like you're these people who have come home Mm -hmm. and and you not only uh you know because of you look at what god has done here and so it was so amazing to watch as my daughter would walk through the village there'd be little girls that would want to come up and talk to her and get to know her and it was just like she would draw an audience and, and mm-hmm. she's beautiful. So, I mean, that's, that's, I totally get that, that she would draw attention. But people would just kind of come and flock around her. And she was just so herself, so gracious and so mm-hmm. kind and so loving and so normal, like so in her element. Like she'd always been there. Fabulous. Like this was not uncomfortable for her. This was my village. And what was really curious to me is that, you know, maybe not always aware of some of the dynamics in a village you know she would go off somewhere and you're kind of like if you thought about it, you might say do you really want to go off there by yourself is that really a smart or a safe thing to do but but she had no inhibitions and so she would just be Mm -hmm. walking through the village and a couple of women would be behind a hut and they would be cooking and they would kind of peek around the corner and wave to her you know and she would kind of see them and she would go over and and talk to them. And then what was fun was to watch either the pastor or one of the male teachers from our schools who are in our kind of entourage or in the village. They would notice her walking off somewhere and kind of like they were her secret service. They mm. would like trail yeah. her and stay far enough back to not get in the way, but close enough to make sure that she was okay. They had a built-in, nobody had to tell them, they had a built-in kind of investment in making sure that she was always in a good place, so the whole time we were there in the village, which was like three or four days, they would my kids would just get up and leave the house and go off. We never thought about it, never, never even worried about it. This is their village, this is their family, this is where they're from, and there's people out there who are looking out for them and have their well-being in mind, and they're they they're going to be themselves and they're going to be fine. It was like coming home, and it was like watching. Um, two human beings who you thought were fully animated become even more filled with life as if they had connected to something that was inherent in who they are. And it was just, as a parent, it was just an amazing, an amazing sight to behold. In the midst of all that, this
4: family reunion that spanned decades and thousands of miles, how's the gospel thread through all that for you?
9: Yeah, I mean, so uh, when we came to that village, it was a completely Muslim village. Um, There was no Christian faith uh, for miles, hours uh, from there. And, uh, you know, we planted a Christian school, and we were open about that. We were straightforward about that. We will educate all children, Muslim, uh, tribal, animistic, Christian, if possible, anything. We don't care. Um, And the understanding in Sierra Leone is, is it's a religiously tolerant culture by nature, and um, uh, you know, the, the government curriculum teaches Christianity, Islam, and tribal religions. And we said we're going to teach the government curriculum, but as a Christian school, we're going to talk about Jesus as Savior. And they said, well, that's fine. You know, when the child gets to be an adult, they'll make up their own mind. And we said, okay, if you train up a child in which they will go, they won't. When they get old, they won't depart from it. So we're good with that. So we realized that in a lot of the communities where other well-intended mission groups and denominations had not been successful we've gotten rootedness and it's flourishing because we didn't start with the adults. Hmm. We started with the kids. Hmm. And our schools, uh, the kids had nothing to do on a Sunday and our teachers are Christians and they would take the kids up to the school and do Sunday school, kind of the old Southern Baptist model of church planning. Yeah. And before you know it, the Sunday school turned into a church. We didn't intend to plan churches. We just intended to build schools that turned into planning churches because it just the gospel just sort of happened um on this last trip our our church for example in rocasa has probably got 120 members you know in a village of maybe 500 uh, we have about 120 members in that church hmm. um, including the local imam's mother including a woman wait for this one kathy including the woman and she is older than dirt this woman she is ancient of days this woman was the head of the female genital mutilation cult no, who came to Christ and renounced the cult and stepped away from it and has since been ostracized from her family because of it.
5: Praise God.
9: On this trip, we actually had our contractor from the school who came to Christ. He's a Muslim man who came to the village, was living in the village because he was working on building our school. And we had a, 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 meet, a service in the evening and I was preaching at it and he had, you know, what else are you going to do? And that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. So he came to hear me preach and I got up and I started preaching from Acts chapter eight. And I said, you know, this is going to be news to you, but Acts chapter eight comes before Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11 is Paul, on his first missionary journey, taking the gospel to Asia Minor and ultimately to Europe. But in Acts chapter 8, the Ethiopian eunuch Mm. takes the gospel to Africa.
5: Uh, Africa first, then Europe.
9: And I said, so don't let anybody ever tell Mm. you that Christianity is the white man's religion because the gospel went to Africa Mm. before it went to Europe. Mm. And that Muslim contractor told me, when you said that, I started paying attention to what you had to say. Hmm. And he came to Christ that night, and I baptized getting, him the next morning. They
5: weren't getting leftovers. No man,
9: they were getting the the full first course mm-hmm. meal, mm-hmm. And, they ate, and they ate it up. That's fabulous. Dean Weaver's with us from Memorial Park Church
4: and Edunations. We got a smidge ahead. and Dean's going to stay with us. Hope you do as well. Stick around.
7: I owed more than $35,000 in taxes. Oxford Tax Partners negotiated my debt with the IRS, and I only had to pay $2,000. They help renew my peace of mind. If you
1: also have a debt over ten thousand dollars with the IRS or you haven't filed taxes two years or more, call Oxford Tax Partners now for a free consultation. eight 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 five one two fifty two eighty one 512 5281 Taxes are a fact of life. Fortunately, Oxford Tax Partners has made your taxes their business. Let Oxford Tax Partners experts help you negotiate your debt with the IRS, and once and for all, take that burden off your shoulders. 888 512 5281. Oxford Tax Partners understands many clients are on strict budget. So they do their best to provide manageable payment plans for every client. Call today. And in addition to your free consultation, get $600 off your case. 888-512-5281. With Oxford tax partners, say goodbye to tax worries and hello to greater financial freedom. 888-512-5281. 888-512-5281.
2: I'm Chuck McDowell, CEO of Wesley Financial Group and timeshare cancellation advocate. I was sued by the largest timeshare company in federal court for simply helping helping people cancel their timeshare that they had been lied to about. The jury sized me up and came back with a verdict after only 20 minutes. And yes, I won.
7: My husband and I are more than grateful to everyone at Wesley Financial Group. You know, thanks to Chuck and his team, we feel as though weight has been lifted and we can move on without the worry of a troublesome timeshare.
2: Whether you owe ten to $250,000 on your timeshare, it's my mission to get you out of your timeshare, eliminate your payments, and get them off your back permanently. And we proudly hold an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau.
10: Want to learn more about getting rid of your troublesome timeshare? Call Wesley Financial Group now for your free consultation. Call 800 691 that's eight hundred six nine one ninety nine ninety nine. 800-691-9999. Hi, Dennis Prager here. I want to let you
2: know about a new product available at the Prager Store. It's offering the audio version of the Rational Bible Genesis on CD, narrated by the extraordinary Tom Parks. He's been recording bestsellers for 30 years. I personally picked them, and you will love listening to him read Genesis. Listening or reading, I hope these are life-changing for you. In fact, I know they will be. Of that, I am absolutely certain. To buy the Rational Bible Genesis audio book or the autographed hardcover, go to PragerStore.com.
1: You know what the price of gas is right now? Doesn't matter how many dollars and who cares cents. Get the Easy Pay card at Circle K and save
6: 30 cents a gallon on your first 100 gallons. Then save 6 cents a gallon on every fill-up after that. Sign up in store and visit CircleK.com EasyPay for more details.
1: Train up children in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. PittsburghChristianSchools.net will help you locate true educational partners in Allegheny, Beaver, Butler, and Washington counties, PittsburghChristianSchools.net. We've been spending the hour
4: with Dean Weaver from Memorial Park Church. He's been telling us one incredible story after another about his time and the ministry in Sierra Leone. EduNations is the ministry. Dean, uh, talk about that. People are so interested. They want to see photos, hear more
9: stories. There's a web presence. Sure, EduNations.org, real simple, E-D-U-N-A-T-I-O-N-S, EduNations.org. Uh, nations. So like Matthew 28, go into all the nations and make disciples. That's where that comes from. So org, And we also have a Facebook page. Obviously, you can see all the pictures and hear the stories and get the back history and all of that. But the bottom line is we uh, build and operate uh, Christian schools in rural Muslim region of Sierra Leone, where it's under-resourced and there are no schools. And by God's grace, we've been able to not only bring the gospel through the schools, but now bring them through churches, through sustainable economic development, we started our own microfinance project. Where this last year, we gave out over 400 loans, almost all to women, wow. to start their own businesses so that they could be economically self-sustaining. Our goal, in two years ago, we turned over the entire leadership of Edgy Nations to all Sierra Leoneans. It's an entire Sierra Leonean run, entire Sierra Leonean operated uh, ministry um, to Sierra Leoneans, and we're in. Uh, six of the most difficult to reach communities you could ever imagine reaching on this last trip we had to literally get on a canoe and go across a river where there are hippos in the river to get to another side where we take a motorcycle to a village fabulous give
4: the uh, web address once again
9: edunations.org and don't forget edu we have a, a michael card concert december 6th memorial park church to support edunations the ride home with john and kathy a production of salem media group